It's September 19th, 2017, and this is Insight Out, the Naked Truth, coming to you live from the Santa Cruz Mountains of Northern California from Lupin Lodge, where clothing is optional. But the truth is always naked. Ooh, I'm Errol Strider. And I am Rochelle Alicia Strider. And we welcome you once again to our home at Lupin Lodge. We invited you over tonight for some conversation about the human condition with all its eccentricities and what to make of it, sprinkled with laughter, good music, and the many voices of Errol Strider. Uh, yeah, yeah, just as we're looking forward to the show here tonight, I understand we're going to have a bucket load of insights. Oh, sure, it is insights that we're after there. Lie right on that. Yeah, insights, not so bad, especially if you can get them wholesale. I'll tell you later. Thank you, guys. That was, that was great. It's great to hear from you. I always look forward to our time together. Our show is sponsored by Go Raw. Nutritious and delicious, healthy food that's now available in Trader Joe's as well as Safeway, Costco, and where else? Oh, well, they have to go to GoRaw.com there you go. to find out where GoRaw can be found in their neighborhood. Well, it's hard to believe that after all these years doing Insight Out the Naked Truth, five and counting, we've never featured the phrase, that's insightful. Well, guess what? Tonight's phrase of the week is... That's insightful. <laughs> at that. <laughs> now, I'm looking at the picture that I sent out today of Rochelle and I, and she's saying, uh, if all else fails, take it personally. <laughs> and I'm looking at her with a rather bemused look, saying, that's insightful. So what exactly is an insight? Hmm? According to one... Dictionary, it's the capacity to gain an accurate and deep intuitive understanding of a person or a thing. Mm. Boy, you'd think insights would be more popular and sought after, wouldn't you? Well, I might. If you have an accurate insight, you are armed to affect any situation to which that insight can be applied. Hmm. Now, that's insightful. Now, according to the Cambridge Dictionary, insight is a clear, deep, and sometimes sudden understanding of a complicated problem or situation or the ability to have such an understanding. As a society, we certainly have our share of complicated problems. Now, while that might not seem particularly insightful, it's more in the obvious category, it would seem like we'd be highly motivated to gain some insights. We could sure use some. So how do we gain insight? Hmm? Well, listening tonight, just might find out. But what are the others? Let's see if we could just take a look at this phenomenon of insight and uncover those other ways to develop useful and relevant insights. Okay? So, here we are, ever on the quest of insights. <coughs> the naked ones, of course. The most revealing. And 
We are so live, and Rochelle is drinking her glass of water. And what do you have to say about inside, Rochelle? Oh, well, I thought of this phrase, to go where no man has gone before, <laughs> from Star Trek. I mean, I'm just happy going to remote thoughts, though many have gone there before, and many will go there after. It is still foreign territory to even ask the question, who am I, and mm. what am I doing here? Mm or to explore the why of anything and everything we encounter as a way to expand consciousness. For me, that is insightful. Well, that is insightful. Thanks mm. for sharing that. Well, you're very welcome, dear. <laughs> okay, I need some insight. Go I, ahead. Yeah, I had this experience today when, uh, well, in order to get into it, really, I think I need to get a little naked. <laughs> Anytime I experience frustration or upset, i.e. fear, I always feel like it's an opportunity, a growth opportunity. But today was a really unique opportunity. I have this vacuum that we use here at Lupin to keep the rugs clean and um, we just bought this Sears vacuum and it wasn't working quite right and I called Sears and there's a number to call them. I called that number and I got a hold of them and I explained the problem and then they said, oh, we can't really handle that, but we'll refer you to another number. And I called that number and went through the process again of explaining. <laughs> and they said, aha, let me uh, give you this number. And then they gave me another number. And <laughs> I called that number. And they listened to my spiel for a while. And guess what? They gave me another number. We're at four now. Four. <laughs> I'm talking to four people. Now, this one said, oh, yeah, we can handle it. Let me put you on hold. Now. I'm on hold for 10 minutes, okay? <laughs> you know, the, the curious thing about that is when this vacuum started running into a problem is when I caught a skirt in yurt number seven in the brushes, and it stopped. And it just so happened at that very moment, since I had so much time waiting, I was making up the bed in yurt seven and dealing with the very curtain uh, skirt that caused the problem in the first place. Well... After 10 minutes, this person got back on the line, and he said, I can't really help you, but if you call this number, <laughs> <laughs> they will be able to take care of it. You don't get the warranty. Is it on the... And every time they ask me the same question, you know, is it on the warranty? Was the phone number connected to the account? Is what your name is this? Is it on the warranty? Yes, it's on the warranty. I'm going through this. Now, number five, they were good because they said, while you may need to talk to another person, <laughs> I will connect you. And so they connected me to this other person, and they listened to my spiel, and she says, oh, this is the parts department. <laughs> we can't actually help you, but we'll get a hold of the store. You can talk to the store direct. So she puts me on uh, hold to wait for the store, and I'm waiting for the store. In meantime, I've made up six different beds already. <laughs> Uh, besides just that one, I just hopped around. And I got to the point where uh, it wasn't coming through. And then finally, 
uh, a voice came on, a live voice, and she said, hello, is this, uh, she asked me some question, is this parts of returns or something, and I answered the question. She says, I can't hear you, is this parts of returns? I answered the question, she said, I can't hear you, and then all of a sudden, you know the sound they make when the fax goes on? Mm -hmm. Imagine that sound just constant, squeak, screeching. <laughs> this phone, <laughs> Sears, is screeching at me. <laughs> and it was all I could do to main some, maintain some level of patience and not go into frustration. This is the seventh, what, eighth person we're on. And I, that was it. I, I just hung up. And <laughs> but we're not done. <laughs> there was more, you know. <laughs> I I, tr I went down to the office and tried to call him. I, I could go on and on with this story, and it's still. What was the result? There is no result. The last conversation I had was with the guy they sent me. I called the uh, Sears back. They said, "Oh, you need to talk to the online representative." So I'm at point nine. <laughs> customer service point and he said he kept asking me these questions and said oh, well we'll take care of it and I kept go at this point I was well you heard me I was going why is this so complicated <laughs> <laughs> and he said let me put you on a call to the store well he put me on hold and after 10 minutes of being on hold I decided it wasn't going to happen satisfaction was not going to be forthcoming for me today from Sears regarding the canister vacuum so it sits there waiting for tomorrow and hopefully a better day. But you're looking at me like that. What was the insight that you got from I'm it? hoping you would have an insight. <laughs> well, I think that the interesting thing is you really didn't lose your cool too much. You know, I mean, because one could start screaming at those people and telling, calling them all sorts of names and telling them you want satisfaction. If you don't get satisfaction, you're going to call so-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so. And what makes you think I didn't do all that when I was <laughs> up at the yurt? <laughs> And if you don't get on, if you don't give me what I want, I'm gonna call. I'm gonna tweet you up the kazoo. It was so frustrating <laughs> that you know how I look for things. Mm -hmm. Well, I I lost my cool. I could not find it anywhere. <laughs> it was so far removed from who I was and where I was. I'm still looking for it. Well, you don't get. What's the insight? What's the insight? Okay, the insight is about fourth or fifth one down. I realized I was caught up in one of those cycle grooves that cycle into, I don't know, like a black hole. I've, I have this periodically where no matter what you do to try to solve the problem, it'll take you to another problem, which in turn to solve that problem, you have another problem, and it goes on and on and on, and it cycles you down into this pit of that forces you to confront your despair about existence, about the nature of reality, about <laughs> heaven, about hell, and you're pondering this and you're looking what is my place in all of this and so the insight was uh i am a, a person that falls into that pit of despair and doesn't know how to get out of it well, it was it not a great insight i have to no, admit it wasn't a great insight yeah, uh, you know, if it we, were my problem yeah. if it was something that happened to me the greatest insight i could have had would to just let it go I would have hung up long before you did and <laughs> just well, let it go. <laughs> that's the thing. There's, there's this little voice that goes, if I just hold on a little longer. So 
it's hard. I should recognize it because I've gone down this spiral vortex into non-existence before where I absolutely not only lost my cool, I lost me. So I had to first find me before I could find the cool. Well, that's, that's a good insight. But you have to find you before you can find whatever else. I think one of the things that happened to me when I get into a place like that is I remember something my father said that it's not totally appropriate, but can be moved into appropriateness. He always said if you if you start if you can't find something, you can't do something, and you and you're really rushing, slow down. And it's the same thing. It's like when something's not working, you almost have to abandon it and give it up and and wait to the moment when you get so focused and so together that the answer to this problem can come to you. And that's what I've been forced to do. And usually what happens, and it'll be interesting, we'll try and keep uh, tuned into you next week. The next day, it'll go bada bing, bada boom, it'll be done. Just like that. But what is curious to me is, is these, these moments where you get this like the universe is stuck. And is it just a, a message to me to say that get off it? Or is it some kind of mysterious, magical uh, Bermuda Triangle vortex that's <laughs> trying to leap out <laughs> and grab us so that we get the, the, the spiritual blood sucked out of this? Would I don't know if that's insightful or insane. <laughs> well, let's find out. Let's ask one of our dear professors to see if he could say what it is. Professor Umbridge. Oh, good evening. I'm so delighted to be called forth during this quest for insights. If you think about it, you have sight going out, and there's all of that, and then you have the sight going in, and it's looking for something that can't be seen with the outside, even though because we are so outside-oriented, we are inclined to move in that direction to try and find out what's inside, but you can't go there. Now, as far as you, Errol, you are uh, very tenacious. We will give you that, you know, but you're also anal and compulsive. And sometimes when you put the two together, the anal and the compulsive, you will find yourself spiraling down these pits of frustration. And the lesson to you, I would hope that you realize, is that these pits are slippery, my boy, and they will just continue to take you down until you come out on the other side, up, and you'll be talking about it on one of these shows, and it won't be so bad because it'll be full of humor and an opportunity to laugh at yourself. Now that's insightful. Th well, that was. That was good. Thank you. I, Yeah. Okay. <laughs> One of the things that I'd like to do now, just to give you a break, to ponder the nature of insights, is to play a piece of music that is, well, it's a place where dreams come true. It's an instrumental. We don't do instrumentals very often. So let's see if we can uh, go to that place where dreams come true, in this case where insights are forthcoming. And we'll see if we can uh, assist you as we uh, play this beautiful piece of music from Field of Dreams. It was a gentle evening in the country several years ago. Ma and Pa were out sitting on the porch 
smoking cigarettes. Little Johnny was playing on the fence, swinging back and forth. And his older sister, Maybell, was inside the kitchen, stirring up a batch of cookies. Hmm. The evening stillness was punctuated by the sounds of whippoorwills and blind bugs that made just the wishiest sounds. It was a quiet time, a time before darkness takes over and pushes you indoors. But the smell of the cookies wafted out. Pa started drooling a little bit, waiting for them to be done. <laughs> and Pa could smell that was his favorite cookie. It was those raisin oatmeal cookies that, and his daughter Maybelle knew how to make him especially chewy. Although, if you really knew, while she was making the cookies, she was thinking about this new fellow that showed up at school just a few days ago. His name was Jerry Summers, and they shared a little moment together. Mmm, because nobody knew it but her. With every beautiful smell as the cookies got done, she thought about him. She didn't want to think too much before she'd burn the cookies, and then they were done. She knew they were done just by the smell. She pulled them out of the oven, and there they were, golden brown, dripping, delicious, soft, ready to be eaten. Oh, inside came her brother on the run. He knew they were done too. He helped her, put them in a dish, brought them out to Ma and Pa. And they were so happy to see these cookies and to look at those wonderful two children and Pa even decided just to put down his cigarette, and he thought, well, you know, that's the least I can do for these nuggets. And they sat down, they looked out at the sunset, and they just really appreciated who they were and what life was giving them as they each munched on their oatmeal raisin cookie. Although the little guy, he stuffed a couple in his pockets for later on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, there you have it. That was a little story that we made up that kind of didn't go anywhere, but created a mood. Yeah. I didn't, things don't have to go someplace. They sort of like complete unto themselves. You know? That's insightful. Say more about that. Well... I think when I sit down and eat something really delicious, mm -hmm. you know, maybe it goes into my stomach, maybe there's a completion in that. But the very act of eating it, the very act of tasting it and enjoying it and drinking something along with it is replete. It doesn't have to have a great meaning or anything. It's just delicious. <laughs> replete. Is that anything like recluse? I keep hearing that word all recluse? the time. Recluse? What is the no, word? No, recuse. Recuse. It, it's such a kind of a weird little word because it sort of sounds like accuse, but it's <laughs> and recluse. Maybe people recuse themselves and for fear of being accused. <laughs> and it, right. And, <laughs> and for fear that they, I don't know, that I'm watching this show Billions and the attorney, uh, t major attorney pl played by John Gio, what, how do you say no, it? No, Paul Giamatti. That guy. Yeah. <laughs> Played by that guy. And he reclused. Say it again. Rec 
I can't even say it. Recuse, recuse. He recused himself. Like excuse, recuse. And then we have Jess Sessions, our attorney general, who recused himself to avoid, as you say, possibly being accused or having a bias that would uh, influence his decision in a case or a situation in which he otherwise is required to be objective. Oh, that's nice. Is that an insightful? I think that's insightful. Okay. Uh, you, you're not sure whether it's insightful well or not? Well, I'm trying to see if it was a... It was perceptive. Okay. Yeah, there's perceptive. And insightful is per penetrating perceptive, yeah. deep understanding. Yeah. So yeah. There you go. So the insight I, I had today was came in the form of a question, actually. And the question was... It had to be an insightful question. It was an insightful well, question. Well, then, then it works. The question was, in order to rebuild our society into the healthy one that uh, I believe is possible, however long that may take, can we do it through legislation? Can we do it through voting? Can we do it through getting a bunch of people together, a strong leader? And the insight I had was the question, or does it require us to build relationships? Well, someone asked me a while back about a particular place. You know, how can we make that place more spiritual? And I said, well, the only way you can have a spiritual place is by having spiritual people in it. <coughs> and, uh, you know, I've often quoted Carlisle for saying, in vain do we build cities without building people. And I think you have, you have fairness when we humans want to be fair. And, and that's how we have legislature that's fair, is because that's what we want more than anything else. And when we want that, we get it. It happens. You can't, you can't do it from the end and move it backwards. It has, to sort of, it has to begin with the desire and start to formulate until it grows to such a place where nothing else can happen but that. Now that's insightful. And it <laughs> really? It was the way you looked at me. That was funny. Well, it was <laughs> it was such an interesting. The other insight occurred to me that was, and I sent this out on my Facebook this week, that I saw that there's three steps that we need to go through to really, truly address uh, the issue of healing the body politic and what a sexy body she can be. The body politic. Huh. But not always. Sometimes she can be like a little fartsicle. And it's interesting that you think of the body politic as feminine. I and don't, actually. I just said that. You don't? <laughs> no, no. I really don't. I think of it as like an amalgam of male and female, pretty much altogether. Okay. <laughs> but but would it be sexy if it were male? I don't think so. Oh I, good, that's good. Yeah, I'm that's glad. not that, there's no insight to be found there for sure. <laughs> but this is the insight that I had that there's really three phases that if we could go through these three phases, I think we might have a chance of pulling ourselves out of this deep pit of divisiveness that we're in. Step 1 um, we have to put unity first, being unified, because when we're divided, it just deteriorates. 
And then I had this insight. There's a prayer in uh, Judaism. It's like the main prayer. It's the, called the Shema, and it goes Shema Israel, Adonai Eloheinu, Adonai Echot. And what that means is, <laughs> you have to be able to <laughs> in order to say it. Otherwise, <laughs> it doesn't count. By the way, but we can teach you that. <laughs> That's not insightful. No. That's ridiculous. Yeah. Well, sometimes they cross over. Come on, who talked about unification? Okay, here? so, yeah, you, and it says, Hear, O God, the Lord, our, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And so I started getting insights. So what is one? That means it's all of one. It's unified. It's, it's consistent and integrated within itself. It's unity. And then I th- had this insight that uh, thou shalt have no other gods before me and when i realized if god whatever else god is god is the unity of everything it is all unity and so the lord is one the lord is unified and don't want to put any other gods before unity and then i realized that that's what we have to make our first priority and and so we get unified and that brought me to step two which is what are you unified around? And we've talked about this before. Senator, come on in. Uh, remind us once again. Well, I, I always like to remind you that we have already in the literature the preamble of the Constitution that tells us what our mission is and how it is to be, as you said, first is to form a more perfect union along with the five other objectives that make that possible. Thank you, Senator. So we have that as a goal that can unify us. And third, and I'll try end this up, will, um, in order to, just because we have the goal, for instance, of justice or of um, domestic tranquility, these other goals, within them there can be complete diametrically opposed points of view about how to get to that. And, of course, that's the struggle of evolution society and of the American experiment. So in order to manage that, we need to learn how to communicate more effectively and especially how to communicate the emotional life because when all is said and done it's really the emotions that get stoked up during these altercations and times of doubt that cause the system to break down and move us toward the divisive ways we are hmm well that's insightful I'm very aware when you used when you say we need to be unified, that w- internal unification is very primary to creating an aggregate unification. That we have to have be unified with ourselves. But what is the <clears throat> what are we unifying? What are we bringing into union? And I realize that there's there's this connection, you know, an unencumbered or connection, which means a connection without judgment. With myself, you know, if I have all these judgments with myself, I'm sorry, we're, then we're coming on court here. Okay. If I have all these judgments about myself, I can't be in unity with myself. If I have judgments about you, whether you're this or that and the other, whatever keeps me separate from you, keeps me from being unified with you. Whatever, whatever judgments I have that keep me separate from myself. I can't be unified. And then, of course, there's the allness, that which we can call God or anything else we want, the mystery. But when we have all these judgments about it, you know, we create these images that 
aren't real. They're, they're made up of our head. And when we have that, we can't come into union with that either because there's all these images that stand in the way of reality. So to me, to become unified is to truly get out of a state of separation. That's bona fide, high-quality, rare insightfulness. Oh, my God. I love that. High bona fide insightfulness, which is different than just plain insightfulness. That, that's like card it's carrying. It's sort of like a good steak. Uh, <laughs> a good steak. Steak in what? Tell us. Barney, I know you got something to say about that. What, what can you tell us about a steak in an insight? Well, I never quite thought of it that way. I had a steak the other night. We had a, like a barbecue with some really good friends. And I don't eat the steaks too often anymore ever since they, they had the, the high blubberol. I, that's what I call it, the cholesterol. I call it the blubberol <laughs> because uh, that makes me more aware and conscious that I should avoid it when I think it's the blubberol. And then, then I thought of the blubberol, and it made me think of someone who blobbers, and then someone who slobbers, and they, and they all kind of dovetailed together for me in an insight that was about the 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 blubbering and 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 and, and the slobbering, and how <laughs> they don't exactly always go together, but some people insist on having them together, even though it is very gross for other people to have to observe and experience that. But then I had this insight that as long as I think about things in this manner and come to these kind of conclusions, I will remain a relative, well, I don't want to say idiot, but along those lines, someone who's like not very compassmentous. And you always want to be compassmentous. That's the main insight. You don't want to be non-compassmentous. Mentors, because you know what they do with non-compassmentors, <laughs> guys? I'm afraid to ask. <laughs> huh? I know you'll tell me. Well, they stick them in the non-compassmentors pen, where they bounce around with each other, and they, they share their non-compassmentorsness. I think I'll stop now, because I think that's probably... Barney, I think you absorbed too much CO2 today. <laughs> Barney, you know, sometimes... <laughs> I, I love you. You know I love you, but... Sometimes the way you just express yourself and the places you go, I I think they're they're where very no man has gone before. <laughs> right. They're very uniquely your own. So, but we know you mean well. Thank you, thank you. Oh, you're welcome. Always happy to be here and share my points of view. And another thing, uh, thank you. That's fine, Barney. That's good. <laughs> you I know, Errol, you were talking about emotion, the emotional body. And yesterday, I was thinking about something. Um, when my our son was about, I guess, 13 or something like that, he asked me if I'd ever had a time in my life when I didn't feel anything. And I realized I was about 13, and I remember walking on the street thinking, I don't have any feelings. They, my feelings were neuter. They were neither high or low or the good or bad. There was no passion. It was just kind of, it wasn't empty, like depressing empty. It was just neuter. And years later, well, not that many years later, sh shortly after that, and I started to feel, I realized that one of the reasons I had been in that place as a 13-year-old was because my feelings were so intense. 
they were so intense that I, I, I walked away from them. I closed the door. It was like somebody in the other room screaming so loud I had to shut out the sound. And then when I was a little older, I was able to open the door by increments and let those feelings and learn how to work with those feelings and to more or less control them so they didn't control me. Well, that's quite an achievement, and it sounds like you had some really go good insights along the way. Yes, and and I can't always control those feelings. Sometimes they do control me. They take over, like the feelings when you get frightened and you don't even realize you're frightened, and you so you're attacking people and and wanting to say mean things just to keep people at bay so they won't eat you up. <laughs> That's right, keeping the people at bay. Uh, <laughs> Professor Schnitzel, what have you discovered about in your efforts to keep people at bay so they won't eat you up? <laughs> yeah, first of all, I think they won't find me very tasty, so I guess the first <laughs> thing that I've had an insight and that I'm fairly safe in that regard because <laughs> tasty I'm not, but I can look good uh, under certain circumstances. What looks best for me most of the time is, uh, people don't think about this, but I have a very good-looking shadow. Yeah, yeah. The shape of my shadow, depending, of course, on how far the, the light is up or down, but if it's right at 45 degrees, my shadow is very appeal appealing. And, it, and other shadows have come up to my shadow, and they've tried to establish a relationship because my shadow is so attractive. And so I have begun to let my shadow out more and more, and lo and behold, my shadow is connected to the inner shadow of myself, which is the part of me that's blocking insights because it's so covered over with knobby little fear balls. And fear balls? Yeah, knobby little fear balls are something that you don't want to let grow because they're like barnacles and you have to take the ship of your being out of the shadow side of yourself and clean off the barnacles on a regular basis so that you don't fall into disarray. And disarray is like, uh, it's the opposite of attractive. It's totally dis and it's arrayed in a dis sort of functional way. You know, Professor, when you talked about fear balls, I was thinking of cats, you know, who have fur balls. You know, they lick their fur all the time, and they get these fur balls, and then they have to throw them up. They have to get rid of them because they prevent them from digesting things well or whatever. I do that myself sometimes. So you, the, can you throw up your fear I balls? I get my fear balls, and I throw them up, and they're all right covered with, uh, it's not exactly hair. But it's like little tentacles of justifications for why the fear is justified. You know, oh well, he'll treat you that way because he treated you that way before. Oh well, <laughs> you know, he'll beat you up because it's bigger than you. Oh well, you're such an incompop, you couldn't have a chance of being able to do anything of any quality or value, etc., etc. Et and it goes on like that, on and on and on. Those are little, the the, the little uh, what you call the tentacles that coming out of the fear ball. Justification. That's yeah. it. That's very insightful. 
Oh yeah, justification is like uh, right there before the judgment. And, and, and the matter of fact, you can't have the judgment without the justification. They're like holding hands and says, come on, justification, let's go. Let's go because we're going to put the judgment on this person or that person from inside their own head. And the justification, of course, it feels like very manly. And it comes along and says, oh yeah, yeah, these are, these are all the reasons. And it brings a list of reasons why that person is justified because you know they flunked uh, physics in high school and ever since then it's been downhill. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you, Professor. Let me think about that. Justification, that brings me to justice. Justice brings me to trust. I read that, you know, without justice you can't have trust. And if you don't have trust in the culture, well, you're... you're um, you can go nuts. Yeah. Because... Justice, in many ways, is, is like a, a safety net, you know? I mean, we feel safe where there's justice. And when there is no justice, you don't feel safe. You feel, yeah, like you, what is, like if you don't feel safe, you feel like out of bounds, out of, out of control. That's the word I'm thinking about. Like there's no controls. You're out of control, and, that, and that's crazy-making. That's very insightful. I'll tell you why. Because we've been looking for a recipe for crazy. <laughs> and what you just described is, is a crazy making. <laughs> so that, that must be uh, the recipe we may have been looking for. because Not as good as oatmeal raisin cookies, though. Oh, wasn't that, wasn't that a pleasure? <laughs> I'd like to uh, introduce a, an insight. And for that, I'm going to... Share a little bit of this music by Tom Hymas, instrumental called uh, Insight, curiously enough. I had recently. Love spills out over the edges of infinity and creates a finite. Mm. Hmm. Here's another one. Eternity takes no time at all. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have uh, an insight that you got recently, Michelle? I don't know. Sometimes it's hard to remember. They're constantly coming up. They're constantly... It's like looking out the window and, and seeing beautiful images or the deer going by or turkeys eating the grass seeds that we've just poured all over the grass. Yeah. And the realization that life is constantly renewing itself. Constantly renewing itself. You can't hold on to it. At that reminds me of an insight that I had that love is that life is love forever itself discovering forever discovering itself anew. Let me get it right. Life is love forever discovering itself anew. Mm, that's nice. That's a nice insight. And here's an insight I had about love itself. Love is embracing your circumstances creatively. Oh, that's a fun way to look at it. The interesting thing about looking at something is that 
there are so many different ways to look at it. I know there are so many different ways it will appear as you look at it. I mean, I, I sat once and looked into a tide pool, and it was just a little tide pool, but there were so many little critters in that tide pool, and it, it could, I could have sat there forever. There was no end to the discovery, and I feel that way about life. There's no end to the discovery. Every second leads to something else. Every second is, is connected to something else. So when you, you grab hold of a second, you're brought to another second and another second until maybe your seconds until, turn into something else. <laughs> until it becomes second nature, darling. <laughs> this is, That's a good one. <laughs> if you grab like Greenberg and become second nature, it's like you automatically react in such a way that you realize that who you are in the middle of it all is an ongoing, ever-expanding uh, love bubble. Yeah, that's a bubble that's bubbling up in its love, and it's uh, and that's that's how it it is uh, when you're paying attention, and when it becomes second nature, that you just react with create, which is the word react without the R at the beginning. Mm -hmm. Then you know you're living the life that you were meant to be, because the quickest way to get from can't do to easy is to do it together. Oh, yeah, that's insightful, Rabbi. I like that. Well, I'm supposedly in the insightful business, but I don't always have the insights that people need. And sometimes people, they don't want insights. They want to just download all the frustrations and the feelings because they're all boxed in there. They don't know what to do with them. And they're banging this way, banging this way, and the justification and the reality and the, and the judgment and the fear, they're all, all boxed in there. And it's hard in all that mishigash to be able to say, you know, give me an insight, Rabbi when they really probably need a good slap in the face. That reminds me of something that I, I thought about. You know, I was watching this um, documentary about Vietnam and very disturbing, and I I find war is like the most insane thing we do to each other, you know, kill each other and just torture each other and do horrible things to other human beings. Just find it insane. And someone said, well, you know, certain wars are necessary to get rid of certain horrible, horrible, horrible beings. And I was thinking about that. And, you know, there, there is a, a, um, a definition of something that really is like a, like a bad bacteria that takes over and begins to erode your, your system, erode your society, erode people that needs to be stopped. You know, and it's and if you th and and that and so if you put a war against bad bacteria, you know, you go out and you spray it or you do something to get rid of it, and then you know maybe you know some good bacteria may die in the process. The problem is that the bad bacteria ha will leave no room for anything else if it isn't destroyed. Well, I want to. Um Take, uh, what do you call it? When I'm not sure I agree with you with that. Uh, take umbrage? 
Well, all right. I, I can dance in here. This is Lord Umbridge, Professor Umbridge. And uh, it has come to our attention that since bacteria are killed by some who are of a particular strain, and then, then another strain will pop up because bacteria are all from the same bacterium and that exists as a unified thing all over the place. So they just mutate into something else, and they mutate quite fast, those boys. And so the better thing would be to cultivate, uh, you talked about good bacteria, bacteria that are, that are more helpful and, and enhance your life, and, and they know how to deal with those little bad little bacteria boys because they're of the same ilk, of the same species, so they're much better able to take care of the bad bacteria than than you are. So cultivate the good bacteria. There we go. Okay. I I totally, that is insightful. I totally agree. I totally agree. And it's interesting that in in light of the fact that we are an evolving society, we're an evolving species, I think when people put out destructive or hateful, the way that we talk about it as hateful, ideology, Nothing would happen at all if nobody agreed with it. But the fact that there are people that agree with it and that you have, all of a sudden, you have a group of people adhering to hateful uh, ideology is what... But I think that as we evolve, it becomes less and less uh, meaningful or enjoyable to want to do destructive things. I read that today in a scientific paper. It said that our oh. brains are evolving. I mean, we are really using less, wanting less and less to be destructive in our own bodies. Those destructive things are starting to disappear. Aren't you glad about that? that now, that's, inside, that's like a primo bono, prime rib insight. And while you're thinking about that insight that Rochelle was just so gracious enough to share, you know, imagine yourself like driving down like a turnpike, and you're and and you're getting insights, and you're not sure what to make of it. Hide in the van with my friends. Sleep with my head on my hands. Street lights and car brights leave paint on my eyes. It's a long ride. Every mile binds us tighter and tighter. Every mile takes us further from home. We've got emergency exit. Faces glow red Insights and turnpikes collide In my mind, it's a long ride Every mile binds us tighter and tighter Every mile takes us further from home Every mile binds us tighter Every mile takes us further from home
Insights and Turtles, <laughs> and, and that was sung by Michelle Chamuel, Chamuel, C-H-A-M-U-E-L. How do you pronounce that, Michelle? Chamuel. Okay. She just like appeared in my mind and clarified it. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, sure. Father O'Malley, what, what's up for you? You've been on some turnpikes or you've been getting some insights lately? sure it is there and you know lots of times when I'm driving I I get some of the most uh, amazing insights like one day I was driving down the road and all of a sudden I had this like it was truly an insight an insight is like a little explosion that just boils up from inside you and it's kind of an absolute and takes over your being and and says emphatically and definitely this is how something actually is fully and it's non-arguable <laughs> I get those kind of, and I remember one I got was an insight that was like, uh, I am total being, being, and, and there was this tremendous feeling that my very just beingness was like, oh, it was beyond description. It was like something to take great joy in and a beingness, and I was, I was so pleased, and it just like it was that explosion bubble that burst and took me over and and made me aware of the pure joy in 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 phenomenal a phenomenon of my very beingness as myself Mm, that is insightful i think of those things as epiphanies i mean to me they're epiphanies you know i get these insights that just uh Mm. move through course through my entire being and lift me up i think of them as epiphanies okay so you've raised another question insightful though that is i don't want to take anything away from that but you just read, what's the difference, if there is any, between an insight and epiphany besides the spelling? Well, I think of an insight almost as something that, you know, something you th- it's a thought that goes through your brain, goes through your brain, your consciousness, where an epiphany takes, I mean, so that insight can change you in a moment, and the change is the, is the, Epiphanous. It's startling. I think that's the difference. An epiphany is startling. And oh, I like that. That's insightful. Yeah. And an insight is a, a, a quick glow uh, of, ins- of, a, of awareness of a perspective that you hadn't recognized before. But it, it's, it's a journeyman to startling epiphany. And a lot of these insights are like on their way. They were started off as apprentice insights, and then they jumped up to journeyman insights. And now some of them are just licking their lips at the possibility of becoming a full-fledged epiphany. <laughs> well, you heard it here. That's insightful. 
<laughs> and here is Inside Out, The Naked Truth. And we are Errol and Rochelle Strider. And our sponsors go raw, delicious and nutritious. And you can and it's reach raw us. food. That's the most wonderful thing is it's not cooked. The, no nu- the nutrients aren't cooked out of it. And we want to keep as much of those nutrients available to our system as we can because the mitochondria, a cell species that's rarely given the value it deserves, but it's in there chomping away and turning all those nutrients into energy and other good stuff. Thank you, Go Raw, for being so good to the mitochondria. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) You can reach us at, you can reach me at Strider at gmail.com and it's good that you get in touch with him because i don't go to my email that often so he does every day so he's the person to get in touch with i am the intouchable guy intouchable yeah i'm the intouchable i'm not the untouchable sometimes i feel like i'm the untouchable because when people walk by me or different creatures log by me. They just don't want to have anything to do with me. Like those deer outside our lawn. I mean I mean nothing but good to them. Yet they look at me and stare at me. You can just feel that if I get too close, they're going to run away. And they do. They think I'm an untouchable. Well, I've been told that deer don't see you, but they see movement. They see motion. So when you walk towards them, it's the movement that's getting closer to them. It feels threatening. That's why they walk away. It's not you, Errol, that they're afraid of. It's not me but personally. The, but no, it's not personal, but you're, the motion getting closer to them, it's an alien motion. Wow. Uh, you know, I've been called many things. Traffic, consumer, brother, husband. But not alien motion. But not <laughs> alien motion. That's, that's a new one. Let me try that on. Alien <laughs> Motion, you know, I He's like it. He's my husband, alien motion. I like it. It has a certain movement to it. <laughs> you know, in good. German, the word heron means man. Really? And I was joking today, Errol, we live in a naturist society. Uh, a lot of naked people, oh. including Errol, naked lots of times. And I said, here comes my naked heron. <laughs> I didn't know what she was talking about. <laughs> But it sounded good because <laughs> I've always sort of identified with herons as a species, you know, with the long neck. It's not H-E-R-O-N. Oh. It's not a bird, heron. Oh, it's not a bird? No, it's a German word for man. Oh. Well, Man, madames and herons. Wow. Heron. Yeah, that's German. For heron is German. And we use that when we want to speak of herons. And so we use the word herons. And it goes together that way very nicely. Thank you. Uh, Professor Schnitzel, I feel, <laughs> I feel good. I, I'm now that I'm a naked heron, but not always naked, as you can see tonight. I actually have some some clothes on. You can't see all of him. Right. No, no, he does have clothes on. The, you know why? It's cold. <laughs> Basically, that's the only reason I would ever want to put uh, clothes on, because otherwise you've got you and the atmosphere and... And what a team we make, the atmosphere and me, and we just parlay ourselves in relationship to the sun, and then there's the trees who are like bathing me with their majesty and their beauty, and we're all naked, and it's great. That's insightful. Yeah. (laughs) Well, we are quite a species. Now, before we let you go, I just have to mention, I'm reading uh, an article about why we're so divided and it's from the 
uh, Harvard Business School. I'm right in the middle of it, so I don't have any conclusions. But like so many of these uh, perspectives, they're very good at articulating the problem. And so I'm always eager and interested to see what they're going to come up with as the solution. But the, the basis for their uh, orientation is to see it as an industry, uh, the duopoly, they call it. You know. And a monopoly? Yeah, the, I think it's duopoly. It's because you have these two sides. You have the right and the left, Democrats, Republicans. And, and together, they're an industry. And that industry has certain uh, impact. And there's certain expectations and behaviors that go with being an industry. And so their premise is if you start seeing it as an industry, and an industry needs to function in certain ways, it has customers, it has vendors, it has... It's supposed to have public interest in mind, blah, blah, blah. But this particular industry has become so self-focused, so narcissistic, so turned in on itself, and, and has created these staunch separatist parties that it's a veritable uh, spasm that is no solutions are happening because solutions don't come out of this extreme partisanship. Solutions come from people who are much more centrist and moderate. Yeah. Okay. And blessed are the moderate, for they shall attain the true enlightenment. That was what the guy said. Hmm. Yeah. Well, that's insightful. Yeah. Blessed are the moderate. So moderation. My dad always said that about food. He said, eat anything you want in moderation, and you'll be healthy. And so... did. They opened a restaurant, Moderation, because they knew <laughs> they it would be popular. <laughs> and they say, come to, in moderation, you can eat anything you want. In and, moderation. And people go to that place all the time. <laughs> it's become a very popular restaurant for moderately. You can get a franchise. Inclined people like us. We try to be moderate. But then an insight I had about meeting, being moderate is that in order to be moderate, you have to have some part of yourself that's completely immoderate. Otherwise, you would be an extreme moderate. See? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that's insightful or insane. <laughs> oh, well, sometimes they're hard to <laughs> tell them apart. Anyway, we need to kind of wrap it up for tonight. It's been a lot of fun. I've loved seeing it. I, uh, remind me next week to tell them what happened in the story about the vacuum. Oh, the vacuum. I'm going to write that down. And I, I think it was like a, a record of how many people you passed on to. Yes. And we are Inside Out the Naked Truth. Our sponsor is Go Raw. You can reach me at eastrider at gmail.com. Or go to our website, thelaughingheart.org, and you can see videos of us much younger acting out in strange and delightful bizarre ways. ways. <laughs> that being said, uh, Rochelle, um, what do we need to remember? We need to remember that resistance is what you add to pain to make it last longer and hurt more. Hmm. That's insightful. Mm-hmm.